Hello, folks. Welcome to On the Home Front. My name is John Murphy. Very happy to share some life with you on the radio once again. You might be catching us live here on WILI AM 1400 and 95.3 on the FM. We're also on YouTube. WILI has a great YouTube channel for all the 5 o'clock shows, and you can catch us anytime 24-7 on YouTube, on your phone, or on your computer to always stay in touch with our guests. We have another busy show today in three parts. At the end of the show, I'm very happy to share the phones with uh, Bruce John again. The Breadbox Folk Series is well underway. They have some events coming up uh, in February March. We're going to talk about them with Bruce at around 5.40. And then we're going to have folks in from Mansfield. They have a new program that's been funded for two years. We had them on a few weeks ago. It's called the Digital Navigators. And these are people who are paid to help you with your computer problems at home. If you have to access the Internet, if you're having technology questions or problems with your phones or your Internet service or your equipment, the Digital Navigators are in Mansfield to help you uh, try to address those problems. So I have a very nice conversation with those folks in a few minutes. But we're going to begin today with an update on the Cargill Mills situation up in Putnam. We've been covering that now since last fall with Katie Slininger, who's from the Cargill Mills Tenants Union. So Katie, first of all, welcome back to the show. We're very happy to have you back with us. Thanks for having me again. Okay, well, the way we left off last time, uh, last month, Katie, you had just decided to go on strike and you were dealing with the legal impact of that and how to press your case in the middle of the fact that, uh, you know, the local government and the agencies around have not been helping you to resolve this problem for a long time. So maybe you could give us an update on that status, and you've had a rally recently as well we could talk about. Definitely. Um, yeah, so... We were served along with about a dozen tenants, including some very young children. Right. Um, the, group, the group of us had withheld rent over chronic toxic levels of lead for multiple years throughout the complex um, that should have been recently redeveloped, uh, as you've covered. Right. Um, so, you know, immediately we were served um, notices to quit, which are um, the first step in an eviction process, and then it gives you a date to leave by. And then if you don't leave by that date, then they begin eviction proceedings in court. Um, so that quit date is coming up for us um, as soon as uh, – it can be as early as this Friday. Wow. Um, and tenants will be staying through that date. We have actually continually asked our landlord to come sit at the table with us. We've gone through the property manager. We've gone through her attorney. We've tried to go direct to her, serving her in the mail. Um and literally not a single tenant here has ever met her face-to-face. -face. Um, and so even with something as serious as lead and lead abatement, um, she has refused to – she's either refused to answer us or the answer has been an outright no. Now, when you got those uh, test results back that showed such a high level of lead everywhere – uh, mm -hmm. What is the EPA doing to help you? Because that's a flag for them to do something locally, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, it's interesting you ask that. Um, this is kind of interesting timing. I, I have finally made some inroads with the EPA as of today, um, which is, you know, kind of clutch timing because, like yeah. I said, we're facing possible court very, very soon. Um, but initially, you know, the, they're usually flagged when it relates to children because that's where all the, you know, the actual legal uh, limits kind of step in. Right. So they were, they definitely were aware early on. Um, and then we went through that initial round of abatement in the units with young children. Um, and after that, we stopped getting a lot of, um, like, institutional support and attention because it seemed like the issue 
issue was in the process of getting resolved. But um, we were obviously concerned about being more widespread than the ones that had been abated. Right. And over the course of the year, um, you know, we were trying to get the attention again, and instead what we had to deal with was like constant turnover for mold and moisture and leaking and, and the lead and all of the above. And so they were moving families of kids into units that hadn't been debated yet, and it wasn't getting flagged because, you know, the landlord wasn't passing. Like, that's like a voluntary um, Reporting. action on the part of a landlord. Yeah, unless a kid is actively poisoned, um, they're Great. not necessarily disclosing that, oh, I'm moving, like, a young kid in. But we were watching and continually trying to, like, sit, remind the Northeast District Department of Health, like, hey, she didn't abate every unit. So, like, even if she moves us out, you know, we don't know who's here in the future. So the whole place needs to get looked at. The whole place needs to get abated because otherwise it's piecemeal with children's health at dire risk, you know, if something falls through the cracks and a lot falls through the cracks. Yeah. So that's where we were at, like, up until, honestly, today. Um, we also were dealing with just a very low-quality abatement company that was doing incomplete work, and I'm still nervous about my unit, even though I had some work done. I have a four-year-old, um, and it seemed very – I have, you know, photo evidence to back up everything, and we all have been keeping documentation. Oh, you mentioned that. Day. Oh, yeah, you have lots yeah. of documents. We're very diligent, yeah, so that's why we feel so confident. But um, finally, I got through to the EPA today, someone who had been on the case early on, they had only really been hearing the side from the Northeast District Department of Health and the management ownership, you know. And so they had a completely different understanding of the situation. And I was able to share, like, our documents, including the lead inspections. Um, and I said, listen, we know what the priority is because we are the ones who actually know the tenants here. I know that there's children in units that are unabated right now and have toxic levels. And the landlord never alerted anyone to that. And because I was able to speak directly with her, she's like moving into super speed action. She's been on the phone like all day, like with various agencies. She said the EPA is gonna start working directly with the NDDH and overseeing that they move on this really fast. So honestly, we're considering this, even though we don't have a lot of tangible information quite yet, because of the, the traction we got today, it, it is seeming like we've won our major demand of the rent strike, which is a huge deal. It is. It is. It's not quite a deal breaker, but it certainly helps you to deal with the reality day to day. Um, Absolutely. And we can tell tenants that we are actually getting their units, like some traction on getting their units abated because a lot of people have been dealing with a ton of stress around it. Um, people haven't been able to have like family members who are young children come visit because of the lead in their apartment, um, let alone the actual kids who live here. Yeah. So seeing this, seeing the movement is a huge relief. Yeah. Well, in case you've just joined us, I want you to know who we're talking to is Katie Slininger from the uh, Cargill Mills Putnam uh, uh, the credit union, uh, not credit union, the tenants union. We've been covering <laughs> them. Uh, yeah. You, you talk about full faith and full credit. Uh, but, She's talking about something that's happening across the state where local government hits a wall of regulation. Either the rules aren't there in the way they should be and they cannot act, or people in charge who are paid are not acting. And it's very hard to point fingers when they contradict each other. And you hit that wall, didn't you? You tried to follow the yeah. system, went to the local town. Why do you think they were not able to help you more than they have so far? 
No, that's a great question. And you're totally right. Like we spent the entire whole last year trying to use the system as it's set up. And for some very narrow circumstances, you know, you can get it through and get some action. You know, we did get some abatement done because of court orders, but we, uh, we just realized one of the most major gaps is that lead inspections are reactive to a child already being poisoned, which means it's already too late for that kid. And we need a system where there's, when you know a young child is moving into a building that is older than 1978, which is when the regulation was enacted and, led, and paint changed, um, that there should automatically be a lead inspection at move-in um, and, and not wait for that child to get lead poisoning to get the resources for that. So that's one wall that we hit was like, we need all these units like preemptively abated, but because there's no legal mandate, um, it's only up to our direct pressure on the landlord. There's no agency that's gonna step in and make her do this. Um, we just have to make enough noise. So um, we also went through, like I said, the housing court. Um, and despite the evidence that we had that this is a widespread problem, um, every unit being inspected mm -hmm. had either defective lead paint or lead dust. So the you know, obviously the logic follows that more of them have lead dust and lead, and lead paint, unless like we just happened to pick the seven right. that you know only had. But anyway, because but because they didn't have finalized lead inspections, that again the landlord refused to do. They had cases thrown out, and so you know we saw that, and, and let alone the fact that they don't have jurisdiction over like moisture and mold, that's direct like really impacting tenants' upper respiratory health. Um, and that's something that you can't get action on through the housing court system. So some towns have, and you're aware of this, have fair rent commissions where you can, um, you know, uh, work out some of these more, a landlord can be forced to the table to work on some of these issues that aren't quite as narrowly um, regulated through the court, the court system. Putnam does not have a fair rent commission. So our, cho our choice is either, you know, be doomed to fail going through the housing court system again, or get all of these problems resolved by taking matters into our own hand with holding rent ourselves, creating our own demand letter, and then building up the public pressure to get all those demands done. Right. I know you've been holding the money in escrow to offer payment when the situation mm -hmm. is resolved, so I think you're showing good right. faith to a third party, right? I mean, you're showing payments. Right. Uh, yeah, and we've also offered to sit down without, like, without representation on our side um, just to, you know, work out, just to even review. The wording has been just review our demand letter right. um, and discuss, abate, like, what their ideas for abatement schedules are. And because we offer, we wanted to offer our insight into the prioritization of units needing abatement because we know tenants so deeply and we know their health issues and their ages and stuff that the landlord just does not know. But, again, they have refused all of these offers. Well, we know, Katie, across the state, there's been so much stress between landlords and tenants. Uh, right now in the state legislature, the session's underway. They're trying for a second mm -hmm. time to get a bill through that would stop uh, no-cause evictions. When sure. your lease expires, all of a sudden many people are thrown out without cause just because the lease is up for renewal and uh, the okay. rent is doubled or whatever. So there's real stress about that system. And I just wanted to share some good news with the folks listening, that there is a support letter you got from the University Network for Human Rights because 
when the system is not working and the regulation is not functioning well enough, you have to figure out where to go because you just can't do nothing. And uh, talk about the university network and what they're doing to help you. Yeah, so they're based out of Wesleyan, um, and they do um, – it, it's like a legal nonprofit, um, and they do work around the globe, actually. Um, they're new to me, but they actually reached out directly and said, we heard about your case. Um, can you tell us more? And I said, you know, we're even facing retaliatory evictions. And so they said, we're on it. We're, um, <laughs> and they uh, drafted up this letter very shortly, and they sent it around to some local officials. And I think they may even hand deliver it to some state officials on our behalf. Um, and basically saying, you know, we agree with the tenants union that housing is actually a human right. Um, and beyond that, the, the actual tactic of her forced evictions in this situation goes even beyond that um, in violating our rights. And um, basically saying they're going to follow this case very closely on our behalf. They're not representing us, but they are um, well-versed in human, uh, um, uh, international human rights law and how our case kind of falls under that um, and how our landlord has fallen short of those standards. Well, you know, one of the good things is when you don't have the laws written in a way that helps you, you have to find models from other places where maybe they work some things out with language, and you can just uh, try to adapt that language and move ahead. Uh, but uh, we'll certainly continue our coverage in March and April, Katie. I thank you again. We've been speaking with Katie Slininger from the Cargo Mills uh, Tenants Union about their situation as one of many around the state, not maybe as dramatic as lead poisoning, but the whole issue of the relationship between landowners and landlords and tenants is pretty broken today. So, again, we're very sorry to have this problem go on for you, but we're very glad you can share the story, and we'll try to give you time whenever you need it. Thank you so much, and, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, ongoing just cause legislation being proposed because that's definitely something up, uh, that I think we can all agree on. I think so too, and I'm very glad to yeah. hear that. I hope it goes through. But we keep, you know, the session has some more time. We'll see how they end up in May. Mm -hmm. Okay, Katie. Right, well, thank thank you. thank you very much. We'll be talking to you in March. Take care now. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, this is on the home front uh, today. We're going to go on the phone with Bruce John for the end of the show from the Great Bread Box Folk Series. They have an event coming up tonight, actually. Their artist showcase is tonight, uh, 7 to 9 o'clock at the church, and they're going to have a concert this weekend again, part of their series. So we have a short break right now for some messages, and then we'll come right back. Stay with us. Good. Okay. What a situation, huh? Can you imagine that? The landlord won't even respond. It's like, well, well, the landlord is in your town, town government. The landlord, the town manages the property. You pay right. taxes. Right. The town doesn't say, you know, so like where is the law not have the town forced to be involved? It's the environment, you know. That's where the laws aren't written yet, yep. you know. They just aren't written down. Uh, so how long is our break this time? Uh, what do we have? We have another two and a half minutes. Oh, perfect. Okay, this, uh, there's plenty of room there to fudge around a little bit. Yeah. And then we'll just do the CD, and we'll call Brucey. All right. Yeah. Our next two shows are already booked. Nice. And I've got some already going beyond that, but... Uh, yeah. How's the family doing? Y'all hanging? All hanging. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Hey, right now, hanging through is okay. Exactly. Maintaining.
when I hear, like on the headphones, like when I hear clipping, that's just in my phones, right? It isn't the signal. It's just in your phones, yeah. Good, okay. Is it too loud for you? No, no, actually, it sounded like it was an overload in the signal, but I couldn't tell if it was clipping in the headphones, not from too much volume. No, it wasn't clipping on my end, so it must have been the headphones. Yep. I couldn't turn no. it down. No, I've noticed. There might be a bit of dirt in there. There's so many variations. Yeah. But the volume's good. Okay. It's good. No problemo. Minute and 15 seconds. Oh, take a break. Yeah, right. Wake me when it's over. <laughs> All right. Forty seconds. We're back on the home front here on this Wednesday. Very happy to have you with us uh, live on WILI AM 1400 or 95.3 on the FM. We're also on YouTube at WILI Radio. If you go to that place, you'll get all of our programs on their channel. We're going to talk to Bruce John in a little while about the Breadbox Folk Series tonight. But right now we're going to look at a new program based at the Mansfield Public Library. It's called the Digital Navigators. We had these folks on a few weeks ago, and we're going to share this information again, a little slightly edited version. But they got a grant to help the public with their technology issues, whether it's their home computer, their home network, their telephone. If things are not working well in the world of digital media, these navigators can help you in new ways, and it's a really interesting service. So we're going to share that conversation that we had uh, with Paul and Caitlin right now, and then we'll come back with Bruce John. So again, this is a new service. It's just started. If you're in the area, it's based in the Mansfield Public Library. And now we'll get right to it. So sitting right next to me, I'm very happy to have uh, Paul Velasquez. He's the digital access navigator, one of two that they have, who works out of the library. Uh, Paul, it's good to see you again and have you in the studio. Thank you for having us here. You bet. And also next to Paul, we have Caitlin Epling. She's a systems librarian. Caitlin, welcome to the studio. It's nice to have you here, too. Yeah, thank you for having me. So why don't we start out with a simple definition so people get an idea right away of the variety of ways this can help them at home or with their personal computer use. Uh, so what is a digital navigator and how have you landed in Mansfield to serve our community? Uh, so a digital navigator is somebody who works with people to just kind of eliminate barriers that they may be having uh, as far as accessing online resources. Mm -hmm. So we can work with people to um, teach uh, and guide through the use of specific apps uh, or the use of specific devices. Um, if you're having trouble with uh, a phone or a laptop or a computer, can't find settings, something got messed up and you can't use it anymore, those are all things that you could call us and we could help with. Wow. Uh, also, if you have a goal of wanting to become more proficient with something like Microsoft Office or you want to be able to set up an email or use social media, mm. uh, you can call us about any of those things too. It's a really wide umbrella of things that we cover. That's pretty, that's great because 
once the word gets out, I think you're going to be busy. I hope so. Because uh, everybody can do better with what they have. And a lot of people are still struggling with accessing and managing social media to maybe controlling access in a better way. You know, whole issues of parents and kind of mm -hmm. monitoring in a positive way how their kids are mm -hmm. using it. Mm -hmm. People looking at the, you know, something that my wife Rita came to Paul with had to do with uh, some of the, uh, the security software programs that are out there. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of everyday life kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, really any, any issue big or small is something you can call us yeah. with and we can you know, at least make an attempt to, to go through it and work it out with you. Yeah. So Caitlin, maybe you can kind of enlarge mm -hmm. the story about the library as a whole and how this is kind of fitting into the larger role that the library plays. Um, yeah, so um, basically the library has always been a place to get information. Of course. Um, and we've noticed throughout the years, especially after COVID, a lot of people were coming in with questions about how to use their specific devices or how to get online to, um, you know, fill out a form or create an email account or basically do a lot of stuff. And um, that was taking up a lot of staff time, and that's why we decided to go and start a program like this because now – we can have some individualized one-on-one -on -one training sessions with people. Yeah, it's the best kind. Yeah. And, you know, the good news, the source of this funding is from the American Recovery Act, which across the country is helping with many aspects of infrastructure, at least to help it function during COVID and then do better afterwards, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul, maybe you can mention the kind of work that you did in the past that kind of made you want to be a navigator, you know, in terms of your background, and maybe share some of the most common things that people are doing that are kind of making their own problems worse. And they okay. don't know it yet, but they're real simple things, and they just don't know it yet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what I did, one of the things that I did before I started here at Mansfield was um, I volunteered at Hartford with Literacy Volunteers of Greater Hartford. Um, they ran, uh, you know, standard literacy programs, but at the time that I volunteered there, they had just expanded their uh, computer labs. Uh, so I, I, when I volunteered there, I, I asked specifically to, to head up the computer labs and to help tutor people who are coming in looking to expand their digital skills. So really very similar to what I'm doing here. Um, as far as problems that people are having that they might be making worse, um, yeah. I would say the first thing you should do is, is familiarize yourself with your device's settings, uh, whether it's a, a laptop, uh, iPad, Chromebook, anything. Um, you can you can solve most issues that you have, and I've already in my appointments, I've already uh, solved minor issues that, that uh -huh. people really didn't know that they could solve with a simple settings fix. Um, for example, um, one issue, uh, if you're using a laptop and you are using a trackpad or you have difficulty otherwise uh, double-clicking quickly, yes. there is a setting in all Windows laptops that you can reduce the speed that's required for a double-click to register to make it a lot easier for, for most devices. So little things like that that you don't realize could make your device use a lot easier and it's a little less frustrating. And every once in a while, we have to go through the whole update cycle. They're always trying to improve the software or making it safer. But I know sometimes when they do updates, they change settings. And sometimes you don't know about it until mm. afterwards. Mm, that's true. And it mm. creates little mystical experiences like, I, I didn't make this happen, but here it is, right? It's another reason to familiarize yourself with the settings on your laptop. Right, right. Or, like or what the device. defaults are or mm -hmm. what, you know, like what's normal. Uh, something for parents, too, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of kids still doing schoolwork at home. Mm -hmm. Not like during COVID at the worst time, but they're still using it a lot. And how can people figure out the broadband issues of the quality of the connection from the cable company that they have no control over mm -hmm. and their in-house wireless system that could be a nightmare mm -hmm. that could really interfere with the signal coming in but it looks like it's the company's fault right 
Yeah, that, uh, those definitely can be issues. Uh, for starters, I would say uh, you can call your provider uh, and you can find out from them um, what your speeds should be. Um, and you can also find out uh, independently with, um, I think, websites like internetspeedtest.com, something like that, um, and they're similar, uh, where you can run and see what speeds you're actually getting. Now, when you do get uh, internet service and you get it at an advertised speed, your actual speeds will never really match those speeds. So you, you can't say right. that I have, you know, you know, gigabit internet and you're not getting that, that full that full speed and think that that's a problem, that's a normal thing. But you yeah. can be sure that your speed is, is what it's supposed to be. You can call a provider and talk to a technician and they can help you figure out you know, right. is your speed where it's supposed to be or is there maybe something wrong? Do you have some interference going on in your home? Things like that. Uh, your router placement uh, could be an issue if you're doing Wi-Fi uh, too close true. to a corner on one side of your house. It won't, you know, maybe the signal degrades to the other side of the house. Something Absolutely. Like that. Or sometimes if it's an old style that has an antenna, the angle of the damn antenna, mm -hmm. vertical, mm -hmm. horizontal. I've had that at my house at yeah. one point. Mm -hmm. That made a huge difference. Yeah. That way uh, the other thing you can do if you call yeah. a service provider is that you can request, uh, sometimes, you know, they don't won't always honor this, but you can request new equipment. Uh, I did this myself last year. We used Spectrum. Uh, my my service was choppy, uh, and I knew that my, my physical equipment in the house was getting pretty old, so I just uh -huh. brought it up with the technician. I said, you know, this is the equipment that I'm running right now. It's all on a label on the equipment itself. Yeah. Do you guys have anything newer you can send? And they did. Uh, since then, I've had no issues with my internet. Uh, the speed is, you know, the same as it's always been, but it's uh, much more reliable now than it was before. Yeah, it's more stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, can you talk more about how this works and maybe the logistics of how people can uh, sign up? You know, besides a phone call, what could they learn more on the website? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. people can send emails to the digital navigators um, at digitalnavigators at mansfieldct.org, um, and they can schedule an appointment online. Um, they can also call or text, um, and that phone number is on the Mansfield Public Library's website, um, mansfieldpubliclibraryct.org. Not um, too bad. Actually, have the, the phone number right oh, here. Oh, you do also. have it. It's oh, 959-444-1305. Okay. That's and we, you can call or text that number, and we can, we'll respond. Yeah. So for people that are looking at maybe they want to upgrade their computer, it's tax time. So you get into the whole automated software, uh, and they start and they get lost. Is there something where you could help them with that in terms of their business use, uh, in terms of any kind of personal use of it, just for more than entertainment or fun? Um, we're certainly not tax experts, so we can't, I don't know about helping people through through their taxes. But if you're looking oh, to yeah, maybe sure. use that, that tax money for new devices, right. uh, that is something we can help with. We can meet with you and demonstrate uh, the use of various devices. You know, what's a Chromebook versus a laptop and what do they feel like to use? Which one is going to be better for you? Yeah. Um, so that you're not uh, wasting your money on a device that you're ultimately not going to, or you're going to find that it doesn't suit your needs. Um, so we can we can make sure that you, you do spend the money in the right place at least. Right. Or sometimes you can buy more of something than you need, depending on you know, how much you need to do what you want to right. do. Yep. Right. Like if you're not a big gamer, maybe the video card doesn't have to be the high-end, fastest You'd probably possible, have much, right? much shorter requirements, yeah. Yeah. So something that people talk about a lot, you know, is email security and getting scammed. And, you know, the number one way that a lot of bad people get away with it is just because we click. We're rushing we're not careful enough, it looks pretty good, and we just go with it, and that one click is the door, right? So we recently had a conversation with Paul about thinking through buying security software versus relying on your browser and your operating system upgrades to be enough because they've done a lot of work themselves. 
So I don't want to you know, recommend any brands or purchases, but thinking this through, I'm sure a lot of people would like to do better with their email. Mm-hmm. And they want to, you know, they hear about protection, VPNs, and all these things because, mm-hmm. you know, the universe is out to get you. Uh, but sometimes you might have so much protection that your system is slow and you don't realize it's not a bad connection. You're overloading. It's all right. I can hear myself. He should be there. Cousin Brucey. Hey, John. How you doing, man? All right. Good to have you on the radio again, man. We'll be on the air pretty soon. I just want to make sure the phone is good. And uh, you guys are playing tonight with uh, Patty and uh, Jason, Mr. Ubers himself. Uh, We'll talk about the showcase. We'll talk about the gig. And you have four events coming up, and we've got March and April. So uh, is there any other news to share besides the gigs? How are you doing with your health? You know, I see your I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm getting PT. I'm doing very well and healing well. And I'm starting my career back. Great. So I'm playing out. And... uh, we have a, a really cool March artist show, uh, April, coming up. We're doing a John Prine tribute. I want to talk about that a little. Oh, is that April 7th or, or, or 21st or something special? Yeah, whatever. It's the third Wednesday of April, whatever that is. Okay. John Prine special. That's awesome. Okay. Well, save the news. We're going to start in just we got two minutes to go. Uh, how's Therese doing? She's just great. I just loved her. She's going to my granddaughter's choral concert at E.O. Smith. And, uh, nice. Life is good. All right. Yeah, I know. She's so lovely. I see you guys on the, you know, your Facebook stuff is like my vitamin uh, every morning, man. You and my brand. <laughs> the brand gets me going, but you get me happy. That's what I try to do. Oh, you do, man. They're awesome. They're awesome. Uh, do you have any new information about the program at the church? I know it's doing well, high demand. I know you've shared in the past how much you've done over the years, but is there anything new with the program? Well, yeah, I mean, you mean with the Covenant Soup Kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've hit $260,000. Oh. And um, wow. this is their 42nd year, and um, they they need donations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're hurting. I mean, they, they put out. They have 85 families a week. They have a couple hundred meals a day. I mean, it's it's a big undertaking. Yeah. And it's one of those things that unless people see it for themselves, it's easy to not think about it or to be focused on what that no, means. We remind them. Last last month, my church that I go to, the Congregational Church in Coventry, oh. donated. They donated $2,600. Yeah. So, I mean, people like that's what keeps it going is donations. Yeah, and it adds up. Every little bit adds up. You leverage a lot. Sure it does. Yeah. 15 seconds. Okay, Bruce. You hang in there. We'll be all set there. Thanks again. All right, buddy. You bet. Always happy to get you on here. Love you, John. Thank you. Love you, too. Definitely. Definitely. Five. Here we go. Four, three, two, one. All righty, we're back live on the home front right now with Bruce John on the telephone. Bruce, it's good to have you on the house, even on the phone. It's good to hear you. Great to talk to you, John. Now, of course, Bruce is with the Breadbox Folk Series now, and they have a program that already started last month. They have an event tonight. Every third Wednesday is their artist showcase, and Bruce is actually playing tonight, 7 to 9. So maybe we'll start with that, Bruce, and you have plans with Patty yeah. Tewitt, I believe, right? We have a we have a great show tonight. Uh, an artist showcase. Um, we're going to start the night with me and Patty, Tewitt and Jason Altieri singing 
doing a Simon and Garfunkel tribute. And then we have um, Duke and Steve, the uh, fabulous clones, are there tonight. And uh, Tom and Lee Terry and, and Howard Drescher, Sheldon Herr are there tonight. We have Vicky, Vicky uh, Gagliardi, uh, a great performer. And we have one of my favorite poets ever, Sympathalus, doing a spoken word tonight. So it's going to be a fun night. It's 7 and 9. It's just a, a, a minor donation, and every dime helps the Covenant Soup Kitchen. Yep. You know, I was talking to—I'm sorry, Bruce, go ahead. No, I said this Sunday we start our, our spring series. We're at the 25th. Yeah, you want me to jump right into that? Go right ahead. Let's do it. The I have a, I have a great, well, I have a thing called Twangtown Paranoids. They're a married couple out of Nashville. We had them probably five or six years ago. They're fabulous. Excuse me. Yet another married couple out of Massachusetts, young folks, Ash and Eric, and they're a crowd favorite. And then on, uh, we moved to March 9th. We have out of Boston, the hottest band going, the Porch Party Mamas. And uh, opening up for them will be Kate Callahan, the former state uh, troubadour, with her trio called Trine. Um, then we have, in, in the end of March, probably one of the greatest folk groups out of the whole northeastern United States, the Neals, will be there. Wow. And, and, uh, and on a co-bill with them, I brought back some people from like eight or nine years ago called the Edna Project. They're a married couple out of New York City, real heavy Broadway influence. And they put original music to the, the poetry of Edna Vincent Millay. It's really a beautiful, beautiful set. That's March then, 24th, uh, right? March 24th. Yeah, March number. 24th. And then Great. April 7th, Shabu Legend, the great John Batdorf from Batdorf and Rondi's coming in from Seattle for us. And uh, opening up for him will be Seat of Our Pants, Soup, our local favorites. Um, and then we have a Bluegrass Day on the 21st of April. And local people, Kathy Day and her son and some kids who grew up on Hosmer Mountain called the Hosmer Mountain Boys, all blue, all bluegrass. Then we have the great uh, and well-known Nick Anderson with his uh, bluegrass band, Shady Creek. My music partner, Peggy Ann's in that band. And then we have a, a gift on the 5th of March. She's a local treasure, Mark and Beverly Davis. They're bringing down the entire Providence Mandolin Orchestra wow. to finish out our series. And he's going to play first with his wife, and then he's going to direct that. So we're very excited about our spring series. There's tickets on sale at Eventbrite. You can get um, come tonight and uh, inquire about tickets. And I have one more special thing I wanted to tell you. That our April Artist Showcase, which is the third Wednesday of April, that was a very special tribute to John Prime night. Um, it should be very cool. With uh, Woodsmoke, they're going to host it, and John Clark and Carolyn Brzezinski, Curtis Brand, and me and Patty and Jason again. we got some great John Prime songs. So we're very excited about the series. And, of course, we try to raise money for the Covenant Soup Kitchen. Um, Food insecurity has never been any worse than it is now. It's just terrible out there. A lot of poverty, John. And uh, Covenant Soup Kitchen, this is their 42nd year, and they don't turn down anybody. Everybody eats. And they also have 85 families at their emergency food pantry on a weekly basis. 85. A hundred meals a day. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it never ends. The, the need never ends. And uh, the donations do dry up. So we could really use some help. Uh, bread, uh, you could donate at, at covenantsoupkitchen.org or come down to one of the shows. And we, we'd love to see you. 
Well, you know, you told me before that you just recently hit two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in donations. That's uh, fifteen years. Fifteen years. years. Yeah, well, that's a blessing in itself. And you were saying that your local church, a lot of people are chipping in a few thousand here and there, and that's what's keeping it going during these hard times. And yeah, a lot of my, my, I go to the First Congregation Church at Coventry. They surprised me with a $2,600 check last month. I mean, people just, people are aware. They're doing God's work in the community, which is feeding people, clothing people, sheltering people. And um, it's really important for all of us, Christian, non-Christian, everybody, everybody who has a heart, yep. to, to, to really help the, the, the less fortunate amongst us. Yeah. Yeah, this website again, folks, is breadboxfolk.org. Now, Bruce, a little history here, because you've been here for so many years, you know, way beyond Shabu as well as the Breadbox. But with the history you have, people are coming to Willimantic from Seattle, from Nashville, all over the country. How is life for them on the road these days? What's it like in a larger picture for live music and local music when you hear well, other stories? I'll tell you, I mean, these are folk musicians. Folk musicians never get rich. They're lucky to, to pay for their food and travel. Yeah. Um, they do it because they love it. They have a purpose. They write songs that are meaningful and are socially significant. And um, they travel the road uh, as best they can. We make deals with a lot of them. We do hotel rooms. We do meals. I have a band coming next next year called the Rutabagers, and we're getting some rooms. For, they're phenomenal. We're getting some rooms at houses with those, with those folks. Wow. So we try to treat them like family. And, uh, you know, it, it, we we appreciate them coming in. And we, we hopefully they can go home and drive to their beds, some of them. But yep. uh, the yep. other ones we, we, put, we put up. And, you know, that's part of what you do, Bruce, that, that comes through the post. Bruce has such an active Facebook presence as well, is, is how this is really spirit in action through music. And it's a circuit that you are living in your own life, your own healing, recovery, uh, sharing the wealth of music, keeping music alive for people to keep remembering these songs so it's not just uh, lost culture, right? That's part of what you're doing as well is the good work of feeding people. Exactly. It's exactly what I'm doing. You know, today I played at St. Joseph's Living Center. I did a show already, and we were singing um, Five Foot Two, Eyes of Blue, and uh, Ain't She Sweet, and, <laughs> you know, you ain't got a barrel of money. Right. I mean, music is so important to everybody. It, it touches it touches their heart and their memories, and um, we do it here at the Bread Box. And plus, we have a lot of great so, um, singer-songwriters who uh, stimulate you uh, emotionally and uh, intellectually. So it, it's just all around a good thing. And, ha you know, this is 15 years for you guys. In the last couple of years, are you noticing any changes in the kind of folks that are showing up? I know you have your hardcore regulars and you have seasoned subscribers, well, but who's walking in these days that surprise you try. once in a while? We're, we're getting a few. Um, sometimes the bands. I, I work on the bands to promote themselves to so get their fan base. But I call them the post-Marxists of Little Manic. I love all the old hippies around here. Mm -hmm. They're our bread and butter. And um, and they're bringing their children and their grandchildren sometimes. So we're trying to develop a younger crowd. I'm bringing in some young blood. Some of these acts that I've been booking for the next year and a half right. are young, and hopefully they'll they'll uh, inspire young people to come listen. All right, Bruce. Well, look, I know you're getting ready for the gig tonight. So uh, is there anything else you want to share while we have some time? Yeah, the I'm news? back. You're yeah, back. I'm back. I I just had shoulder replacement. I had foot surgery. I've had cataract surgery. I'm coming back. This is like my third, uh, third, third, what you'd call a revival tour, 
and I'm going to be everywhere. I'm going to play a whole season here. I'm of regular my regular places. My website is brucejohnmusic.com, and you and I'm on Facebook all over the place. But brucejohnmusic.com, I've got to type through March, and this weekend I'm going to do April and May. Right. But I'm I'm playing a lot of area venues, and I'd love to see you all out. And please always come up and say hello to me when you get there. I appreciate that. It's great to see you out and about, and there's so many nice local spots where people are still enjoying live music. You know, folks have gotten over COVID. It's still a problem, but we're dealing with it, and folks are out of their caves finally, and seeing live music is part of the, you know, it's part of the cycle of everyday life to enjoy. It sure is, John. Okay, well, thanks. Thank you very much for being with us. I wish you the best, and we'll be in touch again, Bruce. Thank you, my dear friend. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, Bruce John, brucejohnmusic.com and breadboxfolk.org. Can't go wrong. Speaking of local music, I want to tip the hat again to Joe Malinowski at Willimantic Records. He's one of our local musical heroes, keeping alternative music alive and well, which is seeing his things through his store, Willimantic Records. That's on North Street in Willimantic at the Bliss Marketplace. The reason why I mention that is they have a show coming up this Saturday, that's February 24th, uh, called Sound Bath Saturday. Uh, it starts at 2 o'clock. There's three bands performing there. They're going to have Burning Books. They're going to have Mara and the, and the Dead Dragons and Angel Piss. And last week I had a conversation with Allie Madison Quinlog, and they are going to be part of the show again this Saturday at 2 o'clock. Joe's been doing this for many, many years now, and uh, he's one of the people that's trying to keep bands that are on tour regionally connecting with bands on national tour, looking at alternative, unusual music forms to try to give you a chance to hear improvised music, music that you'll never hear on the radio, except maybe WECS once in a while. But there's live music happening everywhere in all genres, and Joe keeps that alive all year long at the store. So once again, that Sound Bath Saturday is the 24th, and Bruce John tonight is uh, at the, the Church 220 Valley Street, and of course, St. Paul's, for the showcase tonight with Patty Tewitt and uh, Jason Altieri. Alrighty, well, we have a couple of minutes to go. I'm going to share some news, but we're going to take a musical break now with something that I couldn't get to last week. It's from one of my favorite writers, Mose Allison. It's a trio. It's got a great lyric that we'll send out to our Congress in the United States today. Whatever your political persuasion, it doesn't matter because you'll enjoy this song, whatever your point of view. This is Mose Allison, and your mind is on vacation. You're sitting there yakking right in my face I guess I'm gonna have to put you in your place You know if silence was golden You couldn't raise a dime Because your mind is on vacation And your mouth is working overtime You quoting figures and dropping names you're telling stories about the dames. You're over laughing when things ain't funny. You're trying to sound like the big money. You know if talk was criminal, you'd lead a life of crime. Because your mind is on vacation and your mouth is working overtime.
you know that life is short talk is cheap don't be making promises that you can't keep you don't like this little song i'm singing just grinning back all i can say is if the shoe fits wet and you must keep talking please try to make it rhyme because your mind is on vacation and your mouth is working Hey, there you go. Mose Allison, 60 years ago, he dropped that one. Your mind is on vacation. I think a couple of people think my mind might be on vacation sometimes on this show, but I'm really happy to share some life with you here on WILI. Our next two programs are already booked. Before we go, I want to give you a sneak preview. People are really responding, and I'm happy to have people here in the studio. Uh, if you'd like to get involved, by the way, if you have a story to share, just use the email. It's pretty painless, and it's free. John at humanartsmedia.com, and we can arrange a visit. Next week, we're going to continue our look at uh, health care. We have people coming who are talking about health care delivery in eastern Connecticut. We're going to have folks here from Eastern on the staff and students. They've been stressed lately along with the whole education system for higher ed in Connecticut over the current budget. They had a meeting recently and a rally, and we're going to give them some airtime on the 28th to share their concerns as Eastern staff and faculty and students trying to keep the liberal arts mission alive because Eastern is the state's designated liberal arts school, and they're trying to keep that focus going. And also next week, we're going to hear from folks up in Mansfield. They have a whole project underway to try to set up uh, stores as a cultural district all around Mansfield, and they've been working on that now since, uh, I think, November. And they had a recent meeting. They're going to try to figure out what to do to build the arts economy up in uh, Mansfield area. So that's on the 28th. And uh, on the week after that, on March 6th, we're going to talk with the uh, Community Foundation of Eastern Connecticut, WRCC, the Wyndham Regional Community Council here. Jeff Beadle will be back talking about housing in our area. And we're going to have Hawk from the Owsley Stanley Foundation. Owsley Stanley was better known as... Uh, a bear did the incredible sound work for the Grateful Dead. They have a massive project to restore lost audio, and they put out a very interesting release of music that involves many musicians from the late 60s or early 70s, thanks to Owsley Stanley's recordings. We'll talk about that with Hawk on the 6th. So I'm getting the signal to get out of here now. It's time to wrap it up. I thank you very much for sharing time here, and we'll see you next week. Until then, take care and keep the faith.